Hey, Bob WB here, and welcome to Do the Woo, the WooCommerce Builder Podcast. This show is brought to you by The Dot Store, with a collection of WooCommerce plugins of any need you might have for that next client build. And CAPTCHA for WP plugin from WPY Security that lets you easily integrate Google CAPTCHA on your clients' Woo shops. I will tell you more about our pod friends later in the show, but let's get started as our host, Jonathan, has a chat with David Henriquez, lead developer advocate at Clavio. David has a great story to share with his diverse background in software development. And to top that off, we get some excellent thoughts from him on WooCommerce and WordPress, as well as insights on building an integration for WooCommerce. Welcome back to Do The Woo. I'm your co-host today, Jonathan Wold, and with me today is David Henriquez from Clavio. David, welcome. Hey, great to see you and great to be here. So uh, I'm, I'm excited about this. Uh, we had uh, we had a warm-up chat the other day, and I learned a little bit about your background, and now folks are going to get to hear that uh, for the first time. So you've had a very uh, uh, wide-ranging background that's kind of led you to this. So where did where did you get started in this? this uh, how, yeah, talk us through where you got started in this world. Yeah, sure. So I'm I'm gonna go uh, way back to the the basics. Um, I guess I guess pun intended, uh, because when I was, you know, first or second grade or so, I had a friend who taught me the basic programming language, and so at a really young age, we had an Apple II, and we could drop to the terminal, and we would write basically choose your own adventure games. And so you know, it'd be a text based game. You're going through the woods. You're doing different things, and you know, I'm not I'm not that old, but I'm dating myself a bit to say that not everyone back then was um, teaching kids how to code and teaching kids how computers worked and everything. It was much more you throw in a floppy and you learn the alphabet and you do things like that. Um, it's much more of a part of the curriculum today. And so I didn't have a ton to do with that after, you know, getting into it at such a young age. Uh, I continued to like basic for a long time. Then when I was in high school, college, I would build websites for, you know, friends, businesses, little small businesses I knew. And I was always very technical in nature, but I wasn't like fluent in any programming language. Um, and then after school, what were you building the websites in? Are we talking basic HTML? Yeah, exactly. HTML, um, CSS, and like a little JavaScript that would take me like, you know, basically like in highly inspired JavaScript, we could say from other websites and things. I liked it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And so after college, I got into sales and um, was in a bunch of different sales roles, most of the time in technical sales roles. And then I ended up in situations where I just I really felt that calling back to when I had been technical when I was younger and I was in all these meetings and I felt like, wow, if I had the skills, if I was fluent in, in technology, I really understand what the business challenges are being asked for here. And I, I wish I could like go disappear for a week, come back and show everyone. And I know they'd be really excited about it. Um, and eventually it just became too much. And so I took a program, um, a three month intensive program to you know learn how to code fluently Within a few weeks, I kind of went off on my own and was just doing like a lot of my own projects, teaching myself stuff. And do you feel like that was worth it? Because we have we have a lot of these boot camps and stuff around. Was that how was that experience for you? Kind of just jumping into that intensive. Totally great question. So my experience was a little unique in that I had a really clear idea of what I wanted to do. So I went into it knowing that if I get these skills, I have a, a really I was fortunate to have a really solid background, really good network. So I was able to use my existing network to leverage, you know references, et cetera, and, and get into technology right away. So I don't say that my experience will be the exact same for everyone, um, but I, I do highly recommend these programs. And 
I think that even if you're not going to become a full-time developer after, so that was very common in the group I was with, probably only 25 to 30% actually took on full-time engineering type roles afterwards. A lot of other ones found successful careers in customer success and technical escalation support, right? And so nowadays, a lot of opportunities exist out there. And being able to have a solid background in technology gives you a huge leg up. Um, you know, compared to the what I paid for undergrad and student loans, I think that this program uh, had a really good return on investment. So I can't recommend these types of things enough. But I will say that, like, sometimes there were students who didn't succeed and who fell out kind of quickly. And oftentimes those were folks who were thinking like, oh, if I get this job, I have the easy path to a six figure job and I'm just going to like yeah. be able to yeah. work all over the world and travel, do whatever I want. And your background, so you had this sort of love of programming from the beginning, like you'd been playing with it. You went into the technical sales role where you saw, you saw some like connection to it, like, okay, this is, this is helpful. And so then you made, like, you sound like you wanted to go further into it. You do this programming thing for a couple of months. What happens next? Yeah, so I got a job at a company called Life Image, which was the largest medical image transfer network in the U.S. at the time. And I was a UI engineer, so I was a product engineer. I was um, doing a lot with like React and Redux. Um, and, you know, I was not really doing a lot of styling. I was more of like the state management and that kind of stuff of, of React. And I really liked that. Um, and, you know, I was doing that for a year. And then friends had reached out to me and they said that, you know, we know some folks who are joining this company in Boston I had a lot of background in marketing and, and advertising, which typically a lot of folks in Boston do because there's a lot of those companies here. And so I, I learned about the company um, and they were looking for a sales engineer who was kind of hard to find. So they wanted someone who had background in sales in closing deals and, and selling in competitive environments, but also could pass the engineering test here, which is known to be very tough. Um, so they were having a hard time finding folks. And so a friend reached out and said, hey, I think this would be you know, pretty good fit for you. And I went from being a little you know, cautious, like, OK, I, I did the sales thing. I don't want to just be you know, talking technical. I want to still be learning. I still want to be doing a lot of um, coding, et cetera, to interviewing and, and realizing like, wow, I fell in love with this company. Um, the opportunity was incredible. So I was, I was really pumped about it. Now, at what point, if at all, has WordPress come into the picture? At this at this point in your journey, oh sure. So way back when I was in sales, um, we worked at a company that did open source website design. So we did WordPress sites, we did Drupal sites as well, and yeah, we would we would build all kinds of websites for. Oftentimes, when I started, it was a lot of like really small businesses, and then as we did more and more, we were working with larger, growing tech companies. Um, so we kind of had a niche where a company would raise a big Series A, Series B. They want a new website. They want you know focus on conversion optimization we would build them a new site. And those were oftentimes WordPress sites. So, um, and even the sites that I built for my friends and family over the years, like oftentimes those were WordPress sites too. So I've always been fairly familiar with it and you're know, using it yep. pretty regularly throughout the last like 15 years or so. So you have that backdrop for like WordPress, for instance, in this case, had, had WooCommerce come into the picture at all up to this, up to that point? No, up until Clavia, I'd never used WooCommerce before specifically. It had always been WordPress sites with, you know, various themes and, and different kind of mostly B2B sites, conversion optimization type sites. Okay, so fast forward to Clavio. So you 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 land the role, and the, the initial role was a sales engineer role? Yep. So at first I was the a senior sales engineer and, and really helping lead sales engineering here. And it was, you know, pre-sales selling into a lot of our largest, most strategic, complicated type customers. 
Cool. And talk us through now. It's it's been is it been four years now? Like how long have you been with Clavio? Yep, I just reached four years a few weeks ago. Actually, congratulations! Now that in the, in our software world, that's a very long time. Uh, a lot uh, a lot happens. Yeah, I'm considered ancient around these around here. Yeah. <laughs> so what what's the arc of that? Because you're doing something a little bit different now. Like what's what what happened over the course, and then, and what are you doing now? Yeah, totally. So when we started at Clavio, there were a couple of us in sales engineering. Um, that team grew hugely. It's now probably 15, um, at least I think 20 people globally as well. They're, we have folks all over the world on that team now. And, you know, we thought a lot about what we were doing in the early days with sales engineering. So companies would come to us and we'd never been a services company. So you couldn't pay us to build custom things. But every now and then, right, we would we would kind of do whatever it took to like help these larger brands, these more complicated situations come through. And from doing that, so much. And, you know, the company has, we've been fortunate, the company has scaled a lot. If anyone's heard about Clavio, you, you can look us up. We, we've been fortunate to grow significantly in that time. As anyone who's been in that situation knows, eventually, right, you, you kind of start off in startups doing things that don't always scale to get really good stories. You know, so one time my VP of sales who um, came to me and he said, David, you know, I, I, we want this brand. We're going to do what it takes to get this in. Like you're basically responsible for implementing them and making it happen. And then as you get to be a much bigger company, those types of stories aren't worth it anymore, right? Like you need to do things that scale. And so you need to figure out how to do that. And so from there, I helped start the developer experience team here. And so that was an engineering team. I was an engineering manager on that team for about a year and a half. And we started it with the goal of creating all new API documentation eventually creating new APIs, new SDKs, building a developer portal, and doing a lot of the things right that we had known to do in the sales engineering world, taking that and building that education, building up our tooling, and being able to deliver that to our developer customers and partners with the goal of them being able to do everything that we were doing and, and really just trying to invest in the developer experience and make that much better so that you know, it's scalable and now folks can go out and they can do these things that we had been doing. Okay. So you focus on that developer experience piece for about a year and a half, then what? So for the last six months, I'm working on developer marketing now. So I'm our lead developer advocate. And so I'm kind of combining all of the different things I've done here. It's a nice natural progression too, which I like. Yeah. It's, it's sort of, yeah, you built the experience. Now let's get more people into it and help make sure that they're succeeding. Precisely. We built it. Now let's try and get folks excited about it to use all of the great things we've built. So we're going to talk, we'll talk more about Clavio in a moment because I think there's a decent amount of folks here who are not familiar with it. But like from your, so at this point, uh, where where did WooCommerce over the arc of that four years at Clavio come into the picture? Because there's, there's a fair amount. So I'm curious about it's, you have this backdrop for WordPress over the past 15 or so years. You might've been at least aware of these different things. WooCommerce at this point is, like the largest platform. So I'm curious about its entrance into your periphery. Like where, at what point are, do you become aware of it? And like, tell us about that. Yeah, sure. So at Clavio, we started off as a company with customers in various industries, a lot of them software companies and, and apps like, you know, many tech companies do. And then we found a niche pretty early on in e-commerce and going after, you know, commerce related sites. And we, found great product market fit and you know we doubled and tripled down there. And so part of what we do is you know Clavio is a customer platform. So we're not 
actually specific to any given technology or any platform. We're a way that the companies can store, manipulate, and execute data-driven strategies, right? So we have all of your customer data, we have events for your customers, and it could be in any industry. It doesn't have to be e-commerce, right? But that's one that we've we've worked a lot in, and, and right now, you know, it's definitely our focus. WooCommerce, like you said, being one of the largest platforms, you know, we had a goal to help brands from all um, avenues of e-commerce be able to use our tool to be able to drive growth and be able to, you know, get more out of their business data. So we built an integration to WooCommerce in the early days. And as a sales engineer, you, you know, you're mostly focused on the more complicated issues and the, the more customized solutions, right? You're not necessarily working with all of the standard SaaS platforms where there's more of a one-size-fits-all integration. And so from the very first days I was working at Klaviyo, I was working with WooCommerce merchants who were working on integrating, customizing our integration, and trying to get as much as they can out of us. I like it. One of the things that, that, I, that I love on the show when we bring in folks, so you have the WordPress background, like you have this context for the ecosystem. You also have the distinct advantage of working with a lot of other platforms. And that's a perspective that I think is, is often overlooked in terms of its value. Because for people who are just like full, because WordPress and WooCommerce, they're more than big enough to, to warrant like many folks who are just, this is all that they do. Yet I've noticed that, um, yeah, there's a lot of value in having that broader range of perspective. I'm curious, have, have you found that? Like, were there, were there a lot of differences working across the different platforms? Like, what was that like for you? Yeah, totally. So when I first joined here, I was um, the lead engineer of our Salesforce Commerce Cloud integration and helped build that out a lot um, and have worked on um you know, some of our Magento code base, some of our Shopify code base as well. And so being able to come to each platform with that backdrop is incredibly helpful because you can see how different companies focus in, you know, big commerce, another one, like we've worked with so many of these different companies, you can see how they approach different things. Some of the assumptions that you may have made from one or two experiences may be different in each one. And so you, you really want to think about like, okay, of all of these things I've seen, what are some common elements and, you know, pieces of oftentimes that result in common code and ways to do things. And so like one of the ways we think of integrations here at Klaviyo is, is oftentimes, um, you know, to simplify it a bit, there's the historic data. So all of the history of purchases and you know, folks who have subscribed and, and interactions they've had with your website from a historic basis and then also on an ongoing basis. So we think about how can we build an integration that gets all of that historic data quickly and easily so that it's accessible and you can start querying your customers to know who your best customers are, who purchases certain products, what kind of behaviors they have, and then at the same time be able to get the real-time data. And so when we come to integrations such as WooCommerce, we built the back-end connection to be able to get all of that historic data and then in the WooCommerce world, we built a plugin. In the commerce cloud world, I, I built our cartridge. A lot of it's very similar, and you see a lot of these same patterns everywhere. And then when you're working with something like WooCommerce, you want to think about why are folks choosing this platform, right? Like, what are the what are the value adds here? Like, because you don't want to treat every platform the same. You you really want to understand what your the context you're in, so that you can get the most value, and and really the customers are getting the most value. Yeah, let's 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 unpack that a bit. So with Clavio, 
you you have this like customer management platform, right? Now, one of the things to as to like why people pick WooCommerce, there's different reasons. I'm curious for your perspective. From from what I've tended to see, there there's a number of reasons, but there tends to be this theme of valuing the ownership aspect of it in some way, shape, or form. And now I've been a big fan for a long time of this world of like SaaS and open source together. Mm-hmm. And yet, what especially when it comes to data, though. Like it's a curious thing where it's like some folks are like, oh, well, I want all this data here. Well, if I'm understanding correctly with Clavio, part of the value proposition you're offering is like, hey, we can like we have an integration where we can keep that over here. You're still doing your thing. How do you relate to that? Like, how do you think about that tension between having all the important parts like be owned by the customer, yet also uh, in especially in the commerce world, there are very real like capability gaps in terms of like what you get with WordPress and WooCommerce out of the box. How do you tend to navigate that tension for folks who are inclined towards open source, whereas other platforms, they might not care about that as much? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question, right? So the way we think about it, and I think that it happens in in the world a lot, is companies are going to choose open source that are focused on the speed of innovation, right? So this this is a common open, I'm not telling anyone anything they don't know, but, you know, if you're building a product and you're responsible for it yourself, you have to get to a pretty big size to where you can commit 20, 30, 50 developers to a single product. But when you look at open source, right, you have tens of thousands of developers potentially in the community who are contributing to it, who are making, um, you know, new features and functionality. So the speed of innovation and the, you know, new feature development is, is going to really eclipse what's available in the SaaS world. And so I think when you think about open source that way, it's, it's interesting to to think about where you line up your priorities and, and what you care a lot about. If you're looking for something that's going to move really fast, that has a huge community that, you know, you're going to be able to contribute to open source is, is a great option. Open source also, right? The name open source gives you access to everything. So it's fully customizable and very, very flexible for your company. So when you come to WooCommerce, right, you, you need to think of it in that way that we're going to, we, we're going to be finding folks here who are trying to do things a little differently, who are trying to customize their website, who are trying to build things in a different way, who are trying to drive more unique experiences oftentimes. And if you're trying to come to them with a one-size-fits-all answer, it's it's not necessarily going to work. Um, to your other point around owning the data, just to be clear, like, you know, everyone, every customer owns their data. And Clay, we don't own data. We're not like a data broker or anything like that. Everyone's everyone's data is siloed like there's no sharing or anything like that so we're really like a a more modern version of what you would think of as like a crm specifically built for customer first companies so so companies who are focused on driving more personalized experiences and who are trying to use the data that they have from their customers you know what their customers will tell them to help create better outcomes for their customers and for them so I love that. I love that's a great explanation. Why why work with an external tool versus like, I've got my own thoughts on this, but versus just like use some use a, there's CRM plugins for WordPress. Like you could like, get some like basic functionality there. You could do some yeah. Like why why work why what's the value that from your perspective of working with a SaaS for a piece of a, a functionality like that versus just oh I can find another plugin that does it all here in WordPress. Yeah, I think I think it's a good question. I think it's a balancing act. I think for some companies, the plugin, you know, it might work, but like you said, it, it often is kind of a basic experience. What we're what we're trying to do is really focus on 
building that next generation customer platform and the amount of R&D and the amount of effort that we're putting into that specifically is a huge benefit versus some of what's available right now, open source off the shelf, hasn't quite got there yet. And so I think when it comes to these kinds of systems, you don't really see a whole lot of open source there, right? Like, and this is what I love about it too, is there's this question of aligned incentive because yes, basic features and functionality of a CRM, you can certainly get in a, in a plugin for WordPress. But like you said, you, know, you have an entire organization that's because you found that product market fit, because you found the alignment, you have the incentive to keep innovating, to keep making the things better. And you're, and that this is what's great about this SaaS open source integration, because they can get that specific set of value and all the backend stuff that you're doing, like all these other things that you can do around the life cycle of a customer, like the, the serving as a point of additional integrations, like there's all this stuff that you can abstract away, which maybe a business just starting out might not need. At some point, though, they're like, okay, yeah, we, we need that additional capability. And you have an incentive to provide that. And I, I think it's, it's ends up being and as we're seeing in terms of adoption, it's a great match customer customers are like, yeah, I love having WooCommerce as a base. There's things that I care about where we need additional features and functionality and confidence in who's backing it, right? Like having uh, support there, having knowing that the investment is continuing. And uh, yeah, that, that feels like a good fit. Yeah. And, and what we do really is like we're helping companies grow and we're really trying to help your bottom line. So when it comes to making an investment in your business, you know, Mark Benioff originally said when he was kind of inventing cloud software, he was going to start with sales because that's where companies were going to be willing to invest in new technology in, in something different. If he started in HR, if he started in you know support, it may not have taken off as well. But he knew he needed to focus on where companies are driving revenue. And so with us, we're oftentimes a competitive advantage where if you're a store, you're a merchant who's using Klaviyo and your competitors aren't using that, then you know, you have to might you might have to ask yourself some tough questions. You may have some open source features. You may have some things you built yourself. But when you have a purpose built company, um, you know, who's who's really just focused on this problem space, you end up with a, a really high quality solution. And, and that's really what we're trying to focus on. You know, we're the the customer platform for you to be able to drive more growth out of your data. And we think we do a pretty good job at it. I, I like the customer first uh, aspect of this. Um, back when I worked uh, in community at WooCommerce, we would teach uh, people how to get started in e-commerce. And it was always like, who's your audience? What problem are you solving for them? And and drilling in that customer centricity where it's like, if you're if you're clear on what problem that you're solving, and, and I love, like it's it's easy to lose sight of that occasionally. The, the folks who do really well as merchants keep that in mind and the builders who support them uh, we, we talk about this quite a bit thematically. The more that you can do to help your customer, your client, like for a builder that's creating uh, either whether product or providing services to a merchant to help them stay focused on their customers, like that's that's the loop that works, right? Absolutely. Like, uh, okay, who's who's your audience? What problem are you solving for them? How can we solve problems for them more effectively? Like that's where a lot of innovation with WooCommerce comes in. Like, okay, how can we customize this to better suit their needs? This is where the the flexibility can shine in contrast to a proprietary platform where you don't have that same same degree of flexibility. Yeah. So an interesting point there is, um, you know, we made a decision early on about how our APIs are going to function. Oftentimes, um, APIs are fairly rigid. 
And you may have to define a schema beforehand, right? And say like, this is going to be my placed order event. It's going to look like this. And if you send it over the wire a little differently, it might get rejected and you might have to go into some system and, and reassign it. But we have very flexible APIs where you can send through new events for the first time. And those events, the first time we see them are immediately available to be segmented on. They're immediately available for automations. And the payloads are also flexible. So you can send a standard payload with many different options um, and even, you know, change them as your company changes and be able to quickly use all of that without having to go through the rigorous process of redefining schemas and changing all of these different validations. Um, our APIs are designed to be incredibly open and incredibly flexible. And so we found in, in a WooCommerce environment, right, where folks are willing to be flexible and they're willing to customize things and willing to, and they, they value spending on that and getting that customization. It's worked out great for us because it's something that people can send over really easily to us. And you know, that's, that's really a huge area of our APIs is the events. Hey everyone, Bob WP dropping into the show for a short break to tell you more about our two pod friends and to thank them for their amazing support. For every new client site comes new needs. And if you're looking for that right plugin for the next project, consider checking out the Dot Store. The team at the Dot Store developed their plugins for easy customization of your client sites. You can find solutions for adding extra fees, product attachments, dynamic pricing and discount rules, or product samples. Maybe you need to set up specific shipping for multi-vendor for advanced USPS, or perhaps hidden methods for your shipping. They have this and a lot more. But also you can get a Woo bundle that will fill a lot of your build needs in one nice package. So for that next project, why don't you head over to thedotstore.com and give them a try on your next build. WPY Security, the brand behind WP Activity Log, also has you covered with CAPTCHA 4WP plugin. This slick integration with the Google reCAPTCHA gives your clients an easy way to add CAPTCHA checks to their shops on the Woo checkout, registration, and account pages. And as a bonus, you can select where you want to add that CAPTCHA on the checkout page. So I suggest you head over to WPWhitesecurity.com and help your clients protect their Woo shops from fake registrations and orders the right way. Make sure and check out both of these pod friends. And now let's get back to the show. I'm curious about this. Uh, speaking of like, I imagine over the course of your f- past four years, you've seen a lot of different things with WooCommerce. You've seen different types of things. Any, are there any, any examples that stand out? Yeah, totally. And so to, you know, what we were speaking about earlier, where when you're working in an environment, you want to really think about what that environment is great at and what you're likely to see there. And so in WooCommerce, you're likely to see highly customized, highly flexible design. And so we had one example. It was a children's bookstore company, and they had a catalog of of books. And every book they'd ever sold, more or less, was available to be reprinted, even though they may not have been advertising them anymore. Um, And they had a massive inventory. So they had hundreds of thousands of books that were potentially available for sale. And so our integration that we had built to connect to the catalog with WooCommerce and sync over scaled fine for thousands of um, 
catalog items and even tens of thousands of catalog items. But when you started to get to the hundreds of thousands of catalog items, there was there were some challenges there with the scale of that, right? And and also there were challenges in the business use cases because they didn't really want that whole catalog. They only wanted the ones that they were mostly selling like in the current time, but they wanted to be able to sell to someone who wanted that historic data, even though like um, it wasn't as valuable for them as a business. It was a very small part. It was a very long tail, you could say. And so I actually added um, the customization into our backend integration to be able to optionally sync certain types of catalog items so that you could avoid um, different areas of the app. And so that was something, right, that we didn't build that one off for this brand. We built it because of this brand. But now in the future, every WooCommerce customer had more flexibility in how they use their catalog. And, And that was really the approach we took with WooCommerce is when we would see someone doing something differently, when we saw someone had a way to customize something, or we hit a challenge with, you know, maybe there's 100,000 items, maybe the historic orders. There's another example. It was a company that sold car covers, and they had really, really customizable catalog items. And so, like, you could, you know, pick, like, six or seven different filters, and then they'd be like, okay, this is the exact car cover you needed. And the lookups, when you would look up the historic orders and try and string together API calls, you end up having having to make like many, many successive ones the way it was set up with like how they had like they had this site had gone through a few people's hands over the years. And, you know, it, was, it wasn't I'm not saying the most optimized site, but it, it was working very well for them. And you ended up making a lot of these successive API calls. Some of them would time out some of these APIs and the, the database they were using was like really, really old for really old cars. And like they hadn't used them in a long time. They weren't indexes on certain tables. Um, and so this same type of functionality that I had built around how to sync catalogs differently was then able to be reused for this brand. And they said, hey, you know, we've used a bunch of marketing automation platforms and they always have a hiccup here when when it comes to the category items for this catalog. And we were able to use that same code to avoid syncing certain things. So that's the kind of lesson really that I would like to impress on people with WooCommerce is like when you're building for a, a platform like this, right, you really want to think about the future and you don't take anything as a one-off, but you you add to your collective strength and the collective strength of your code every time you get an opportunity, right? Like in software engineering, we always say like when you enter a file, try and leave it better than it last was. Maybe like the spacing's a little off. Maybe that you could add a comment. You could add some tests. It's the same thing with an integration like this. When you're working with WooCommerce and you, you find a new merchant who's doing something differently, take the opportunity there to make your product better. There's a couple of things I love about this. The first is, so for a lot of folks who are building native like WooCommerce plugins, extensions, et cetera, you're describing a familiar process. What you're describing is, is unfortunately, and, and we're hoping to see this change, a little bit rarer in the SaaS world when they do integrations. So you, to me, are describing a, a quite an ideal where you're taking the time to understand the differences and similarities of WooCommerce as an ecosystem and iterating based on that. It's also cool for me to see how your own background personally gives you the context. I think this is often overlooked in this world of uh, specialization is inevitable. And there's something really valuable to say, oh, how do you put teams together where you have folks who also have range and that broader context? Because part of what I'm hearing you describe in your experience is you have that range that helps you look at a situation and whether you're doing it yourself, whether you're d- directing a team, where it's like you end up building much better products as a result of like, okay, you know, they, they saw this repeat in the, the last customer's case where other platforms ha- had the hiccup there. 
and it could be as simple as just having lacked the range to realize that, okay, we can dig into WooCommerce and we can, we can solve this. So I, I think that's great. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, and, you know, really like that's a huge part of the culture here is like the willingness to take things further and to the ground that other people sometimes aren't willing to. And I've had times before, um, I remember, you know, a specific instance um, a couple of years ago where we had a customer who was having a challenge and there was like a way to solve that challenge short term, right? You could call it like, it wasn't like a hacky solution, but but there was like a workaround and, and it could work. Sure. But I set up a meeting with our chief product officer and I, I met with him and I wanted to call out this this you know situation and say that this is an opportunity. If we can get this right in a scalable way for this customer, we know there's a there's many more behind it. And it's going to allow us to be able to do something that others can't. And it wasn't this exact same example, but, you know, the example previous of like, if we had just said, okay, like, we'll just change the catalog sync here and, and, you know, we'll just like not sync your catalog, no problem. Like you can just like do something else. We wouldn't have had the solution the next time the other brand came to us. And, And when that second brand came to us, that experience and being able to say like, yes, I have the PR that changes our WooCommerce catalog being able to speak through that with their developer who'd been burned, you know, several times, like they, they, at that point want to speak to someone who knows what they're talking about, who's willing to get on the phone, yes. screen share, go through code, you know, talk through database queries, et cetera. Being able to have that experience is so valuable. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, if I can, <laughs> if I can take one lesson from a lot of this, it's like that sometimes it, it might not seem like something is always worth fully investigating and and going all the way with it but if you if you do do that um you, you'd be surprised how many lessons there are beyond that initial thing you're trying to solve for and you might find things that you didn't expect to like there's something about just being curious enough to stay with something long enough we're like okay let's see where this goes i like that absolutely so you you've learned a lot about working with woocommerce for those who are listening so let, let's take the um I'm curious. I'm curious about two things. I'm curious about what others who might be working with a SaaS can learn from your experience. I want to focus first on, uh, like, you alluded to this concept earlier of higher level themes, and it's like when when you think about WooCommerce and its nature as a it's a more it's open source, it's flexible. When you're approaching an integration, and you're like, what are some of the things that you're thinking about? So. When I approach just say a, a generic integration, there's a few things that we are mostly um, focused here on as Clavio as as a company that's mostly in the commerce space, right? Is like one, what are all of the events possible in the system? So we're a very like event driven system. Um, we store events and profiles and some other data as well. And events for con- like this is all the stuff that like a customer could do, right? Like every every possible interaction or it's more than that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So like exactly what is possible for a customer to do? Um, they can come to the website. What can they do on the website? Do you offer them, you know, a quiz? Do you offer them some kind of experience? Are there things that the person can do outside of just purchasing? Obviously with purchasing, they can view products, they can add products to their cart, they can customize products. Um, and anything that they're doing there can potentially be a different distinct event. And so what we try and cover is like, okay, well, what is the first pass of like integration code that we can write that'll collect what we consider like, you know, standard e-commerce events. And so we can get to a baseline where this, you know, typical activities someone's taking on a website, someone's taking um, in 
email and, and SMS marketing, et cetera. We, we're tracking all of that. Uh, and then and then going further that and saying like, okay, well, like what else does this platform have? Are there other methods that they store data? I'm curious, that process of approaching integration for WooCommerce and just, just like mapping out events, was that fairly straightforward? Was that difficult? Like how, how did you find that? Yeah, so that's interesting uh, question. So we kind of have a, a native philosophy here on what we consider, right? Like if you're a platform for e-commerce, what we consider like table stakes in terms of what we need to capture for that. Um, and then there's there's essentially two different ways that we do this. So one way we'll do this is through a backend integration, either using like something like a REST API or webhooks to be able to just get historical, which is often like a REST-based API, historical data. Let's pull it from the database. Yep. Yeah. And then ongoing data. And then for ongoing data, sometimes there's webhooks, but oftentimes for something like WooCommerce, right, we're going to be delivering a package of code to you, same thing with Salesforce. And so in that package of code, we look into the application architecture and try and discover what are ways that we can seamlessly connect to this platform in order to get the data that we need and you know be able to almost listen or like tie into these events um, yeah so so i'm curious how uh, are there any aspects of that that you found frustrating or challenging i'm thinking specifically about like into other plugins and integrations that would come in and, and do things uh, outside oh totally that's a great yeah yeah great point so oftentimes you know folks are they have access to everything yeah for better or for worse source code exactly for better or for worse um and, and so sometimes some plugins will change the contents of a page they'll change data structures right and they'll do things that we're not quite expecting them to do one of the benefits again um, is if folks are going to be doing this and they're going to be customizing their site typically that's a cultural thing like that company's okay with that they're willing to support custom code in that case oftentimes we'll work with them to help them learn exactly how our plugin works and how to customize it and then provide them usually they have a good understanding of like okay like you've now forked it you're on your own version here's how you make updates when we push releases here's like you know how to diff it and like but, but sometimes like we'll walk them through that if they're not super familiar with it or, you know, sometimes get people don't take the best approach and they just like set it and forget it. And it's like, no, you know, you still want to update for security updates. You still want to maintain this code. If you're going to fork it, you're now responsible for it. And so we try and instill best practices. And oftentimes, like I've gone through before, like forking a code, forking a plugin, pushing a change to the main one, and then just showing them like, okay, look, like here you are, you're pulling it in. Here's how you diff it. Here's how you decide what to keep and not. Wow. What I love, you're demonstrating a level of confidence and comfort in the in an open source ecosystem that to me is like fairly rare because what you're describing there, it, it's, it fits outside of the typical pretty box of a SaaS of like, you know, we have, no, we don't, we don't have multiple versions out there. And there's something to be said about working towards an ideal, right? Because what you're describing is also a source of frustration for merchants and for folks in the ecosystem. A compatibility can be a real headache between plugins or it's like, yeah, okay, totally. But we're willing. So, yeah, at Clavio, like we are builders and we're willing to get into the nitty gritty. And that's something that we've instilled from day one on the teams that I've been a part of. You know, when I started on the sales engineering teams, which is now the solution architecture team, you know, we want to help merchants drive results. And we are very customer first. And if the customer wants to do something and they're willing to 
customize their site, they're willing to you know, do these things, we're going to be there to help them and show them you know, what the downsides or the considerations are, how to manage your own code in this environment. Um, but yeah, oftentimes in a WooCommerce um, environment, you have to be willing to get your hands dirty, get into the code and really walk through with folks exactly how it's working and try and explain it, you know, in a simple way. And our ultimate goal is that folks learn how to use our platform from an API perspective, right? From a lower level primitive perspective where they can add customizations and they can do things that are unique to their business to help them drive extra value. And we don't tell them like, oh, you know, unfortunately we don't support that or, you know, you need to change this or you're on your own, you know, we'll try and give you the best advice possible. We'll give you code examples. Um, and, you know, we're always interested. We're always building and we want to help people, you know, find cool solutions. We don't accept easy no's as answers. You know, we, we want to be able to push the limits. For for anyone in the world, one of the things I've loved, we're seeing more people from the world of SaaS come into the ecosystem, which I think is great for a lot of reasons. Uh, you guys are in a great spot. And part of it I, I see is because of this this wider range, uh, this approach that you've taken, this this philosophy, like being builders, as you described it. Uh, and, and I'd love to see more of that. For folks, in, what, what kind of general guidance would you give to a SaaS who is entering into this open source ecosystem? Maybe they've just worked in closed proprietary platforms and now they're looking at WordPress or looking at WooCommerce. Any, any broad pieces of guidance that you'd offer based on what you guys have done? Yeah, sure. So I think, you know, one is not taking certain things for granted when it comes to code and when it comes to APIs. So if you're working with a SaaS company, they're typically going to have very standard very stable APIs because they're delivering this to thousands, potentially, you know, hundreds of thousands of customers. Like they don't have a choice but to do that or else they're in trouble, right? And they're going to hear it from everyone and their customers are going to be unhappy. But in an open source environment, the API you're expecting from one merchant could be completely customized from a different merchant. So having good error handling, having good retries in the middle tiers that you're building, right? When you take an API request in, and you ETL it, you make changes to it, try and build knowing that that system and that area of the app is going to need to be customized, right? So cool. Yep. Anticipate it. Building in for flexibility. And so being able to say like, hey, something as simple as like when we sync in the catalog, this is the field that corresponds to the catalog name. However, making that customizable so that another customer, yes. maybe they call their name something else, right? And this was a big thing in Salesforce Commerce Cloud. You could change all of the properties on objects in the system. So you might have a catalog object and you're expecting the description field to be the name of the item. But, you know, in Salesforce world, they have C underscore underscore for custom um, fields. You might have C underscore underscore for like all of the fields that that customer cares about. And then, you know, some random name, like custom description. And so if you build a one-off, if you build an integration in a way, right, where you're only expecting one t type of data, but that data, the keys need to change, the values need to change. You can be in a situation where now, okay, well, how do I do this? Do I say, you know, really naive approach, like, well, if it's this customer, do it differently. And, and, and that happens all the time, right? And then you end up with this like crazy code where it's like, oh man, I don't even know. That's terrible. Yeah. I don't even know what code path we're on. It's depending on the customer, right? So like be building integration level configuration in 
um, where you can almost have like a manifest file or some kind of JSON file, YAML file, where you can reference that and you can quickly change that for different customers. So I can look at the file for one customer and say, oh, okay, like there's no custom mappings here. Everything looks pretty good. But I could look at another one and that could be, you know, a 30, 50, 100, couple hundred line uh, file potentially that maps differences. And then being in this system like that, it's much more scalable and it's testable. And you can add these features to add customization. Um, another thing is like, you know, you may um, like in some platforms, I won't name names here, but it's not WooCommerce. Um, they might have transient 500 errors um, that happen regularly. And, you know, your handling of that typically might be like, oh, this is pretty bad. We're getting a 500 from the, the company servers. Like my, my last question for this at the moment. So when I, so the work that you're describing, it makes sense. What is your perspective on why that worked? Because like dealing with all these like uh, things that aren't and like the nice thing about a proprietary platform is that the very it's a lot of fixed things, right? It's like you know what to expect if you're building an integration for Shopify, for instance. On the whole, you kind of know what to expect, and you can you can predict that, and you know, et cetera. And you can there's a lot of ways to handle it. You can make a ton of assumptions fairly wisely with WooCommerce and open source. You can't really do that. So, what is your perspective on? Why is it worth all that extra effort? Because you have to put a lot more work to do a WooCommerce integration than you would have to another one, presumably. If you think about it, right, it's it almost the question almost answers itself in a way where it's like if if anyone can build an integration to to a platform that's that's SaaS and that's very predictable. I'm not saying anyone can. Um, and you know, you mentioned Shopify. Like we'll put our Shopify integration up against anyone's. But when you take that time it's it's kind of it's really similar it's, it's not actually that much different right because shopify has robust apis and there's a, a ton of different stuff you can do with them that not everyone is doing and, and you know you could go further we could go further and we will be going further like we just had a big announcement with them like we're gonna be working hand in hand with their product team too and like there's a lot more we can do but especially in an in a open source world right when we've put in that level of research development and knowledge we have that much bigger of a moat in that world because we're years ahead now. Yep. And you have the understanding, you have the understanding that you get through like that, you, which you've earned by dealing with customers, by anticipating like, okay, this customer is using this system in a way that we didn't expect yet it's working for them. And now we can take what that learning and apply it elsewhere. I like that. That's cool. Yeah. And, and so over time, right, it gets easier and easier. And then we get those situations where the, the car company comes to us and says, you know, Hey, look, like, We've tried a bunch of different things. Nothing works. We don't think it's going to work. We'll get on the phone with you since we've heard of you before. But like, again, it's not going to work. And you actually really open their eyes to, to them saying, oh, wow, like you guys know way more about WooCommerce than we do. We're, we have one site. You guys have, you know, however many customers you have. Clearly, you guys are experts here. We're, we're willing to trust you. And, and that gives you a huge opportunity. Like you said, WooCommerce is a massive market. So, you know, if it's up to you to decide if that market is worth it to your business. But, you know, I'd have a hard time hearing an argument that it isn't worth it. Like, I think it's pretty big market. I don't know what kind of markets you're going after if WooCommerce isn't big enough for you. But I think that there's certainly opportunity there. And so by building that skill set, by, you know, doing the things that we talked about where you're reinforcing really good habits and every time you work with a merchant, every time you see something different, you're making yourself better. You're making your product better. Over time, you're going to have built a, something that's really great and very, very hard to recreate without putting that kind of work in over the years. Yep. It's a great moat.
David, this has been fantastic. Thank you for the time. If folks want to learn more about you, connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, totally. So if you go to um, Clavia.com, you can you can learn more about Clavio. Um, and then if you're interested in some of the stuff that I'm doing and the teams I've worked on, you can go to developers.clavio.com, um, where we have a developer portal, our API docs, and all the good stuff that makes Clavio uh, work from a programmatic level. Awesome. David, thank you so much. Appreciate your time, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you very much, Jonathan. It was great to be a guest. Thank you again. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for tuning in to today's show. I'd like to give one more shout out to our two pod friends. For those special needs when it comes to enhancing your next client build, DotStore.com has a great selection of Woo plugins to help you easily customize your client sites. And Captcha for WP plugin that makes it simple to integrate Google Captcha for added security on your client's WooCommerce shops at WPWhiteSecurity.com. And if you have a great Woo Builder story yourself, make sure and head over to DoTheWoo.io and let us know. So until the next time, keep on doing the Woo.